you know, when I was depressed, I said I didn't want to live. Well, I'll tell you something. I didn't want to die. Every fucking particle of my being was fighting to live. That's right. Get everyone that's suicidal and then try to kill them and that'll make them want to live. Welcome everyone to Cut to Black, a soprano sit down. My name is Jim Scampoli and we are here to discuss season one, episode 11, Isabella. Yes, and it's a very exciting ep- episode, not just because of Isabella's dress. <laughs> oh, you guys. Uh, yes, I'm Jacob Burrows, by the way. I say after the greatest joke, and of course I want to attribute it to myself, we're to talk about Isabella. It is an exciting episode, and it's got a lot of great lines in it, honestly. like oh, I, I came to realize, watching this one, that uh, I watch whole shows where there's not a quotable line in it. And I, I didn't count, but I think there's upwards of five fantastic ex- exchanges in this episode. One of us, one of them is in the intro to this episode. Yes, things are really coming to a head uh, in quite a few different ways in this episode. And especially with, with uh, the seeing the real, the crushing anxiety, the depression, even a gentleman like Tony Soprano who's just stuck in bed, doesn't feel, doesn't want to do anything. We've all been there, but we Tony's don't... Tony's so relatable in yeah. this episode. Tony is feels. He's my spirit animal, you guys. Uh, but yes, you're right. He does, he does go down a very dark path, and it's almost like we got a taste of it at the start of the show, and now we're like, we're at the, the end of the first season. You got to go there, and they don't just go there in the anxiety. They go there in the mob stuff. The family drama, uh, the weird psychological turns that can happen. Uh, they go there in a lot of ways in this episode uh, and fulfill a lot of promises. Uh, it's a great episode. You like it, right? Yes, yes. It's a very good episode. This episode was written by, uh, I just had it up. What I do with it? Oh, <laughs> uh, Robin Green and Mitchell Burgress and directed by Alan Coulter. Um, I do believe Alan Coulter, I'm trying to see. Yeah, Alan Coulter has du- does go on to direct quite a few episodes. Also did direct the college episode, which we had mm-hmm. seen, uh, basically right up through season five. Uh, so someone that kept around. And we have seen Robin Green's name in the past because she actually worked for uh, Stan Lee at Marvel Comics back in the Dizay and uh, does write some other episodes with... Mitchell Burgress. So hmm. the these are the people that we we continue to see their names around and usually their episodes show why. Would you yeah, agree? Yeah, absolutely. Um I, I wanted to talk a bit sort of generally about the big arcs rather than go through detail by detail, at least to start with. And let's start with the title, Isabella. Now this character was so weird from the start because she was so exactly what Tony wanted. Like Every line about, you know, Italian teen Vogue. Why's it gotta be Italian? And, like, everything that he's obsessed with and interested in uh, is just suddenly there next door. And when she just appeared outside the chemist, like, it was weird the first time, but when she appeared outside the chemist, which, by the way, looks like it's straight out of Diagon Alley, um, (laughs) I thought maybe she's an FBI mole because it's too much of a coincidence uh, for this whole situation. That, I guess that wouldn't really have made sense. Um, and then when they go to lunch and she, he gets the vision of him as a baby in her arms, 
that felt kind of weird um, because they do these sorts of things where they play with re reality and stuff, but it doesn't always, like, they don't do it enough that it feels natural, I feel. Um, but then they go completely the other way, and spoiler alert, she's a hallucination the whole way, and somehow that makes more sense to me than just having a little hallucination in there. Yes, yeah, I was. I can't really, I mean, I... I can't fully remember when I first watched this episode, but I mean, I, I, it's very doubtful that I was like, oh, yeah, clearly she's not real. Uh, so I don't think I quite caught that. I mean, watching it now, like knowing what they're doing, because even when they're at lunch and it's very dreamlike, the way the curtains in the background are like flowing into frame and they kind of use that to transition into his weird vision that he has. And plus, when that scene ends... And it's an abrupt cut to Meadow yelling at him to kind of like wake up and come to dinner or whatever. Yeah, it, you, you know it's it's could easily be, and I mean, and plus they cheat a little bit with uh, Carmela's reaction, uh, and plus there's so much going on. I don't think people would be watching this looking for the other shoe to drop. But uh, I mean, I do like that. I mean, you you definitely picked up something weird was going on here, and I think that's all purposeful as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think it worked pretty well in the end. Um, but yeah, they don't do this sort of stuff a lot. And we've now seen um, yeah 12 episodes. So if they were doing this, like if this was fucking Scrubs, we wouldn't be surprised. Um, well, sometimes we were in Scrubs too, sometimes when someone turned out to have been dead all along or whatever. Um, but like the flashbacks are almost the most central thing they've put in that is sort of taking film and heightening it beyond reality in a way like because it's usually very realistically put together kind of um even like i've noticed or I, i'm not i haven't like counted but it feels like they don't use music that much in scenes so it's even weird when he's you know it, it makes sense when he's doing the drugs obviously that you put in a lot of music but in general they don't they don't lean on it to heighten scenes um, like other shows would do, they let the scene speak for itself. So when they use it, uh, it, it feels different than in another show where you have to fill every moment of silence. Um, but I was saying with the flashbacks that uh, we didn't, or even though we like the content of the flashbacks, they never felt supernatural um, because, I mean, su super natural. They never felt extremely nat natural because it, it was kind of separate from the rest of the style of the show in a way. Um, so that's why I didn't feel super prepared for this reveal, uh, and it's kind of taking me out of, or no, just surprising me kind of, which I think is sort of the point as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, I just think it works so well because there's a great, there's there's a lot of great diversions going on um, as far as with things coming to a head with Tony and this yeah. potential hit on his life where. You, even if some of the stuff with Isabella seems a little weird, the other stuff is more like plot engrossing. So you're like, oh no, the these guys, and then Christopher doesn't even realize what he did, and uh, but people are concerned because Tony's depressed, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, and also he's been talking to his imaginary friend the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, I mean, yeah, let's talk more about the plot. I want to say right off the bat, Junior. What a bastard. Even with everything that's been going on, I didn't expect him to have the balls or to even actually do this. Because, like, when we first saw him go head-to-head -head with Tony, it was like, 
fuck it, kill him. I don't care because we I didn't know the character at the time. So it's kind of like, yeah, of course you got to kill your uncle. You're in the mob. Um, but then they made peace and now they've gotten to know each other. And the first time I saw them like eat dinner together at the Sopranos home, it was a shock. And now instead it's a shock that he's doing this. I'm not saying it's out of character or anything, but I'm really like, oh, so I hate you now because you were kind of fine and you were made relatable. And now it's like, oh, no, because I love Tony. So I hate you. Speaking of which, Livia, what a monster. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> she hasn't actually done anything that bad in the show, I think, as far as I remember. Yeah, she hasn't been the best mother, and she's put a lot of anxiety on her son or whatever, and a, a messed up a lot of stuff in their life. But now she's just going along with this uh, murder of her son. Yes. So that kind of shifts things a bit. Yes, yeah, because we do see in her scenes... We've only seen hints of it, like I've talked about in the past, where like every now and then she'll make a weird comment that seems a little too direct to the like mafia family business, where yeah. usually she's fairly aloof to it and has weird little, is that about that, or is that just her being Livia Soprano? But yeah, here we definitely get some more direct uh, quotes um, where she's kind of like, uh, what she has like a statement like, oh, you know, because Junior says something about those poor kids because they yeah. kind of know the plans in motion. And she's just disgusted with the way he was at dinner uh, with just his robe on. And, you know, those kids would be better off without without someone like that. Uh, and it's weird because I think like what you're saying, it's not necessarily that it feels out of character. It's just a weird new revelation because. From what we know, whether it be about Junior or Olivia Soprano, we know they're kind of underhanded and uh, mm -hmm. against Tony, but we don't think it's to that point yet until now we're seeing it where they're kind of ready to go through with this. And I like what it does with Junior. Like, Junior definitely is a monster, but it's kind of showing us that this extra push, this extra kind of push and prodding from Livia Soprano is a big part of it. And obviously some of the stuff we saw with the, the kind of lingus jokes and the potential that maybe they're making a move on Junior, uh, where he feels like he's in a spot that he has to do this. Yeah, and the shrink and everything. And honestly, Junior, at least... I understand, like, I'm annoyed at him, but, like, he's at least feeling bad about it. He's throwing up outside his car when he thinks it's about to happen, and he, he's trying not to think about the fact that he's having his uh, nephew killed and, and everything. And Livia, on the other hand, she, what's even her reason for going along with this? Like, I don't remember Tony doing anything that bad to her recently, like, because Junior's even annoyed her to equal levels sometimes. So I can only conclude that uh, she doesn't have a soul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it's all the stuff we've seen. And it's that weird, like, we always talk about how it's kind of clear that Livia Soprano would never admit that she's happier in Greengrove, but mm -hmm. it's still just the principle that her son put her there, put her there, and and also that he keeps going to this uh, therapist, and he's clearly just talking about how bad uh, she is and how she ruined his life, uh, and uh, she sold his house. I, I yeah. mean, he sold her house. Can you believe that? Right out yeah. from under her. She didn't even know. 
And I love how they're like, we all agreed. <laughs> I think Carmela says something like, we all agreed we'd, sold the, we'd sell the house. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, th- as you said, it's it's revelations about how far these characters are willing to go, which I'm sure they didn't even know themselves until it was happening. And then when it all goes to hell, we get to see another aspect of what happens afterwards. Um Livia, for example, her dementia excuse, it's so in line with her character. And obviously, I'm not buying it any more than Junior. Um, it's just a great idea for her to handle herself. Uh, and I love that it kind of, kind of puts, a, um, puts a wrench in the um, monkey works between her and Junior, so to speak. Because he's not happy to be the only one who's suddenly on this whole murder Tony tip. But then again, what if? What if? What if it's real? What if she's not mm. playing us a fool? But then again, in the scene before that where uh, she's kind of clear, like making a plan where, where Junior's yeah. like, what are we supposed to do? And she's like, well, of course, what do you think we have to do? We have to go see him. My son. Yeah. Oh, my, 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 pre- my precious son. My only son. Oh, yeah. my goodness. <laughs> Who is that? And she's so right because uh, at that place when they arrive, um, Silvio and, and Polly are kind of like, well, it's got to be your uncle, right? But then when he shows up, it's kind of like, well, he can't be here because it can't be him because he's here, which uh, doesn't well, quite add up because he would go there just to make it seem like it wasn't him, right? Well, it's one of my favorite lines, uh, and it's a line I'll just randomly say to myself. Uh, Glasses from, and all? <laughs> yes, yeah, when Christopher... And he's like, I could have sworn it was him, but look, here he is, glasses and all. It's such a <laughs> such a great way to describe Junior. And I love that he kind of he can hear what they're saying. Like he's looking at them. Yeah. They all kind of know something's afoot. Uh, but yeah, it does show that. And it also is like a nice detail of how Livia Livia is like smarter than Junior in this case. Uh, yeah. Like she knows what to do, and she's a pro. She doesn't know who Meadow is. That's genius. <laughs> so smart. And speaking of characters that are becoming less likable, I also have to say Christopher, on the other hand, is becoming more and more likable um, because obviously he was just a fuck-up at the start of the season. And now, even when he does dumb stuff like smash guitars, it's in a likable way. Um because there's a difference between that and shooting a guy in the foot over nothing just because he's an idiot. Um, and he's actually been fairly reasonable lately and of the most important thing he can be a fuck up if he wants to but he's so caring towards tony and i know it's like the most basic character writing ever but it makes him so likable but because he's reciprocating the worry that tony had towards him when he was feeling depressed and he even talks about it at the start of the episode with uh with silvio who has a great line, you know, when he's describing, um, well, well, when Christopher is describing how, oh, you know, he's only sleeping, saying the same thing that Tony said to him a few episodes ago. And Silvio says, a lot of top guys have dark moods. Winston Churchill drank a quart of brandy before breakfast. And he pauses, and then he says, Napoleon was a moody fuck too. (laughs) And then the scene ends, and it makes so much sense that they made Lilyhammer, where he goes off and is a more of a comedic take on the mob stereotype because he's got such great timing and delivery on that. Yeah, yeah, and it is such a nice um parallel of where Tony was at and how they can how they're recognizing it because they've been through it. Like Yeah. You know, Tony recognized what Chris was going through at the time and he was in a little bit better place and now Chris is kind of better, but he can see it in Tony. Like they know they know where they're at 
And it is, yeah, it's nice to see him concerned and kind of, you know, he's he's following him to make sure he's like, okay, and inadvertently like saves his life. And it's just a nice moment that they kind of have to, it's a, it's a small detail, but that to, that Chris was out fishing or something, but he <laughs> yeah, had to rush yeah. in. He's still got his hat on. He's that concerned, wants to make sure the big guy's okay. Uh, and, and it's just fun seeing like the crew all together, like Silvio, Polly, Chris, and then Tony, and they're kind of like, they're pinching his cheeks and like giving him noogies and shit. Cause they're happy that he's still alive. Uh, yeah, it, it plays out really well and kind of really builds up, uh, that Soprano crew who we like, cause it, since it is still season one, it's not like we spent it. We probably spent the most time with Christopher out of those three. But, you know, we've hung out with Silvio and Pauly and the Jewish guy and stuff like that. And uh, everything's kind of coming together pretty nice. Yeah. And, I mean, the show has been a lot about, you know, being in the mob. It's not like in the movies. It's not every day you got to whack someone. It's only once a fortnight or whatever. Um, so now that some real mob execution type stuff and extreme drama is going on, that's a lot more satisfying than if this than if this was happening in the first episode of him getting shot by his uncle or whatever because it's so fantastic to get to see Polly and Silvio walking down the corridor of the hospital all suited up with their grim expressions like they they're going to war they're ready for this and we're ready for this the viewers right <laughs> uh yeah and also like I mean, we start out, uh, it's at a funeral. I don't know if they ever, like, fully specify. I mean, I know Junior says it's, like, the girl that gave him his first hand job or something like that. And, I mean, we kind of check in with Jimmy real quick. And Jimmy, of course, is still acting extremely suspicious. And at first I I forgot because I was like, wait, Junior knows. But then I realized, wait, no, Junior doesn't know that they suspect him. Junior's just caught up with... He's worried about this thing with Tony, and plus he's at a funeral, so what a great reminder that he's about to kill his nephew. Um, and then stupid Jimmy's like, oh, yeah, just like, you know, the Falone mother. Remember that thing that we did? Uh, and, you know, Junior's having none of it. He doesn't feel like dealing with that shit right now. Um, yeah, you're but- right. I was also thinking of, like, him talking about The Wire and not talking about like the secret meetings and stuff. So he's actually acting like you don't worry about what I know, but he doesn't know what he's talking about. So of course he doesn't. And I was almost like, well, why wouldn't Tony have told him? But then it's like, well, this is exactly the type of thing that Tony would handle instead of letting junior fly off the handle. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then especially with the Tony thing, um, I guess it, it, it kind of, it, it all makes sense. It, it seems abrupt because we kind of come in, people are just talking about where, Tony's head states at and then we see him you know he's pretending he's asleep because he doesn't want to talk to Carmilla he doesn't want to do anything but I mean where we left him we had detective home alone uh commit suicide which you know Tony feels somewhat like not quite responsible but played a part in and of course big pussy's missing potentially dead and that's one of his good friends and and even still potentially a rat and then also yeah. uh, Jimmy Altieri, potentially a rat. All these things happening. And he doesn't even know about the biggest thing going on with his mom and his uncle. Uh, so it, it is kind of like, it does feel like almost that Game of Thronesy type, yeah. uh, pre like the, you know, penultimate episode where 
things come to a head with this, you know, big mob hit on our hero or anti-hero Tony Soprano. But we still got one more episode to see how the rest will play out. Uh, yeah. So I'm here for it. Yeah, absolutely. Because they, this is a lot of stuff that feels finale type ish, but at the same time, you end it with now I just got to find out who did this. Tony says, and you know, you know, there's more coming, and I get to speculate as well about what's going to happen, and you can't. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, the, the the one thing I don't like about the last line is he's saying it to Melfi, and it just feels yeah. too like. Not that he's quite, you know, uh, outing himself, but it feels too on the nose for what he should say to Melfi. Where, I mean, I almost would expect some sort of reaction of her, like looking at her phone or something, because it's only he just does it as like a goodbye. Like, yeah, they better hope I don't find him. I'm gonna feel much better once I find who they are. Ha ha! You know what that means? Read between the lines, you fool. Yeah, this is a small uh, note, but you know, growing up, I always assumed that no one in America ever says goodbye on the phone. You just say a cool-ass line and hang up. And I've tried to incorporate that into my own Swedish life. Uh, it goes so-so because people will call you back like, did we disconnect? And I'm like, no, I did a thing. And I have to think of a new line. Yeah, that's. Uh, I guess now that I think about it, that does kind of uh, sum it up. sum up life in America. <laughs> have your one-liners ready to when you hang up on the phone. Uh, yeah. I do love the small little... I mean, I couldn't call it a B plot, but just AJ Soprano's storyline in this episode of yeah. having to deal with going to his first formal and being kind of happy that his dad almost got killed because it's potentially an out of mm-hmm. going to this formal. Um, but then, no, they make him go anyways, and there's that hilarious shot of them in the limo with <laughs> Polly and Silvio. I guess they're kind of keeping an eye on things, uh, making sure nothing bad happens. Uh, and just they're okay, Paul. If there are people that are okay with uncomfortable silences, it's Paulie <laughs> and Silvio. They don't mind. They're not concerned. <laughs> yeah, I think did they say that she asked him out as well? Oh, I think they did. I'm not sure if I caught yeah. that or not, but I think they did. Yeah, it's interesting because she's like a, a head taller than him. At least when they're sitting down, he does slouch though. Um, so I I don't know. I, I hope we get to see this girl again, though it's the season finale next time, so I don't think it'll come <laughs> right back up. But I do like that because they talk about this suit. The whole It's almost like we just hear it through Carmela talking about she's going to go buy the suit, and then the maid's telling him when he's in bed that oh, she went to buy the suit. And then he's like, do I get to not wear the suit? Oh, gosh darn. <laughs> um and yeah, it's it's a it's a nice side plot. Another nice kind of side thing. It's not really a side thing, but I I like after the first botched murder attempt where they don't even draw a gun or anything. It's just um, it's just Christopher sitting in the way. Um, he, Mikey shows again what a weird psychopath he is um, because he he did recommend these murderers because his friend recommended them who did time with them uh, and then he just shoots them in the head. Sorry, yeah. it's such a, such a great moment for his character and we can see in Junior that's like that's not what I said, but okay. <laughs> so he just kind of has to hide like a little puppet under the curtain of the car door, as it were. Yeah, it is like um I like Mikey ha- kind of has a small moment of protest of like ah he's good you don't have to worry about it and then Junior's just like I don't like it. Uh next thing you know he'll be making jokes about me and it's like yeah what a 
Uh, what a joke because it is just clear that guy doesn't know anything. It's just the thing yep. you say. Like, oh, yeah, don't worry. I understand this is urgent. Everyone, even Tony's own mom, wants him whacked. And it's like, nope, bad choice of words, scumbag yeah. guy. And, yeah, that just goes to show the allegiances you have in a you know, business like this where someone who's your friend comes in and just uh, gives you a little, oh, hey, well, hold up a second, and a uh, nice shot to the head. Now, I guess technically there's only two deaths in this episode because I think that other uh, the other guy doesn't die or that tried to kill well, Tony. unless we count Handjob Lady. Oh, that's um, true. <laughs> No, we probably don't. Not as far as whacking. Well, maybe? Whacking? See what I did there? Maybe she counts? She <laughs> yeah, did do two. I see what you did there. Anyway, I see what that you was did. years ago. Um, yes. So I like that scene, and I also like, you know, it shows us Junior's mind, because everyone's constantly trying to talk to him about this. Mikey, Livia, mm, I guess that's about it, because they're the ones who know. Uh, but they're talking to him about it, and he talks about other things, and it's something I love just in the detail of the dialogue in this episode and the style of the writing. There's a lot of cross-conversations going where people are talking about different things, and they're sort of carrying on their own dialogue. Like Junior, when he's in line with Livia to see a movie, I guess, a matinee, he turns, and he I didn't catch it the first time, but he oh. looks at the wall where it's like it's great. three bucks for a movie, and he just talks about how they should all cost that. And But he has his own conversation while Livia is talking about how his son should have a straight jacket instead of a gown or whatever she's talking about. And that's consistent, like at the funeral, and that's why he reacts. Like, he's talking about it. We have to do something. And Mikey kills him. I, I love that line when he's just like, bargain. So much it should cost anyways. <laughs> And it's yes. nice too because it's like a it's a nice connection because the, when we're when we're seeing Isabella like it, the way it's so windy it almost looks dreamlike but then yes. it's just just a weird connection because it is like it's still like windy and you know weird when some of these other characters are there uh, so it doesn't quite tip their hand fully um, and I mean what what about the whole. The way they cheat it with Carmela. I mean, going back to the Isabella thing. Is it a cheat, you think? Or is it just a way to throw off the audience that they just kind of have this made-up interaction where Carmela wants to cut his dick off? Um, I mean, the thing is, it doesn't seem unlikely at all. It's not over the top for her, even a little. And she says, I never threatened to cut your dick off. And I'm like, well, I bet you did like two years ago when you <laughs> yeah. were really upset. You just, And then like another time, two months after that, like it doesn't seem that weird. And I guess in that way, it's, I, 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 it's mainly there just to signal and like make it clear to us that it wasn't real, right? Or how? why do you feel like it might be a cheat? Well, I just, because... Just because it's another character, like, because you know when they do something like Sixth Sense, obviously is one of the biggest examples. And but then when you yeah. rewatch it, you realize that no one else has interacted with Bruce Willis, but you don't pick up on it. So in a way, like if they just had scenes where only Tony's with Isabella, I guess it's a more pure way to then be like, oh, she doesn't exist, and you see she never interacted with anyone. But by bringing like a hallucinated version of Carmilla. It's a weird way to try to reinforce that there's nothing weird going on here. This is all yeah. nitpick stuff. I don't necessarily really care. And I guess I kind of write it all off more to dreams rather than he was like standing at the window having a conversation with himself. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Because he does have lunch with her and like there's two plates. So, I mean, 
we're already on that level of unreliable narration where it's yeah. not just that she like he doesn't go out to Kuz's yard and talk to her he doesn't touch her clothes because they don't exist um and everything so so yeah it, 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 i can't blame you for it feeling a bit off because the whole thing is kind of really off and the thing that makes it work for me is they put in several times this fucking lithium music the yeah. soundtrack of lithium and they do this camera tilt to kind of signal i'm getting fucked up as fuck because it starts moving like this and they do that several times and i i maybe would have liked if they added that into the carmilla scene specifically to kind of signal that that has an otherworldly quality to it as well because that scene is not shot in a specifically like dreamlike way. I mean, the the one where Carmilla is not actually doing it. Yeah. Um, but like, there's a, another shot later when when the maid comes in and it's totally they turn the camera ninety degrees even, and that's almost feels like that's a dream, but that's clearly real. Um. So so yeah, I I, I wouldn't uh, blame anyone who who thought like what the fuck, but I think. And I hope that, like, or I know, I know that the show is not going to be like, what's Tony hallucinating this week? <laughs> like, I know that because of how they amped this up. And I can't say I honestly loved it in general. The reason I loved this episode was more about, um, you know, the cool shit and obviously the big action set piece that we haven't gotten to oh, and yeah. everything surrounding it. Um, but it also makes perfect sense to go here and explore it because of the whole concept of the show. Uh, you know, it, it is about a mob guy with mental problems. So if you if you don't go here, it would almost be wasted potential. Yes, yeah. And yeah, that uh, big action set piece here where Tony, where the, the, they, you know, do an attempted whacking of Tony. Uh, like you mentioned, there's not a ton of music, but the way they use music here is great and yep. it's just kind of the mundane he's back at the newsstand and i like it's because it's not the same shot but it's we, we can see it's like oh wait that's the donut shop that's the newsstand we know that that's where they were kind of plotting things to happen so you're kind of waiting for it and it's still like you know tony's still in the spot he's in just getting an oj and a paper and then he sees the reflection and it's such a great you know, what you could do in a mob show when you have someone who's depressed and basically suicidal, you can have someone try to kill them to snap them out of it. And all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, what was I thinking before? Why did I want to, why did I want to die? I want to live. I, that's all yeah. I really want right now is to live. And it's played out really well. Cause yeah, like it's almost like, uh, like slow-mo and then the bullets whiz by, then the music cuts and then it's all right back into reality. Uh, yeah, and it's great. Literally, as the the window shatters, the I think it's the same drug music or at least the same type of style. He's just going through the motions of it, and yeah, as you said, it's all slow motion, and then wham, he's back to reality, and you know, oop, there goes gravity, and <laughs> and so on. And you did mention it at the start that you could just solve your problems this way, and I want to mention. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts, uh, JimandThem.com is where you'll find it. And you did discuss in one episode a service where you could get people to take charge of their lives if you just had someone follow <laughs> you around and sort of shoot bullets by you now and then because you're going to go like, shit, I need to get my life together because that's 
obviously what happens when you have a near-death experience, but then it kind of fades as you go back into regular life. So every few months, someone just needs to come by and whiz a bullet past your head, and then you'll be typing out that screenplay in no time. Absolutely. It's a foolproof plan, if I don't say so myself. Uh, yeah. and- you do have to kill the first few clients just to show that you're serious, <laughs> though. Yeah. And uh, so that yeah, then we get Tony at the hospital, and we see the uh, Agent Harris is back from the FBI because what better opportunity to try to get someone to flip on their crew than when they're at the point where they think everyone's out to kill them or someone's out to kill them? There's no way to go back to the streets. It's a good point to kind of show up and try to take advantage of that. And um, I like how. You know, the way Tony's reacting and Tony's like, I take I took an oath. Stop talking to my wife. He's getting really pissed off. Of course, Carmilla, uh, this looks to be a way out where he can potentially yeah. go into hiding and not have to deal with all this stuff. But from what yeah. I know of Carmilla Soprano, she would not be comfortable not living in her big Guido mansion uh, with her servants that she can snap her fingers at and wave over or whatever. Yes, and I did mention about how there's a lot of different great lines in here. And one I was considering was where Tony starts pitching like, hey, you want to go to Utah, be Mr. and Mrs. Mike Smith? And it starts out as a comedic thing where he's talking about, it's another crosstalk thing where they're talking about different stuff. He's rattling on about this. You want to do this? You want to eat tomatoes with no taste with some Mormons from around the block? And she's talking about her thing. And she says, your children need a father. And he goes into, they got one, this one. Tony Soprano and all that comes with it. And it goes from this comedic scene to a very real thing. And I think she says like, oh, you piece of shit or something. Cause she knows, she knows it's true too. Like this is the person and he can't go and be something else. And I, she didn't fall for a person who would go and be something else either. Yes. Yeah. And I do like that back to AJ real quick. Um, most of what is happening is played for a goof, but there's yeah. a couple real moments with him where you realize, like, yeah, he's still a stupid kid, but this is like it's still it's still getting through to him what's happening. Like when he kind of won't say anything when they're in there, and then even yeah. though moments later he's just enjoying his sub or whatever he has, <laughs> he's <laughs> he does realize like, oh yeah, there's Uncle. Like you'd mentioned, Uncle Polly and Silvio are all business, dressed to the nines, ready to go to war. Uh, yeah. He kind of understands this wasn't quite a carjacking. And, I mean, we know Meadow kind of knows what's going on, but, uh, you know, she's not... What what big sister is going to be like, yes, of course it wasn't. P- people are trying to kill our dad. Yeah. Yeah, but she puts her arm around him, and they have that sort of moment of connection. Um and uh, we even get to see, by the way, Father Intonola. Is that his name? I always yeah, Antonola always... or something like that. I yeah. think you got it, Father Phil, yeah. who who shows up and and Tony's being rather nice to him, and then like throws him. But you're staying the night, right? <laughs> uh, so that's nice, just to get a little continuity with that character. He's still around and everything. Well, even just that whole like scenario in general is kind of funny. The fact that like. Tony almost gets killed, so everyone comes over and they're all just eating food. Like they're just kind of having like a little party, and I guess that's what you do because you're happy someone's still alive. But it's just funny they got like the, the uh, like the deli plate, the deli platter ready to go, and Sylvie's like, "Eh, "Bring it over!" They got the peppers, they got the gabagool. It's a it's a grand old time. 
Yeah, it is. And it's kind of, I mean, it's the same thing we do at a funeral, really. We just get a bunch of food and yeah. all hang out. And it's a bit more cheerful this time, at least for everyone who isn't Junior and Livia. Uh, forgetful now, old Lydia. Back to Livia yeah. real quick. Do you think, what do you read? Do you think there is legit, like, maybe she didn't realize how serious the situation is and maybe she does realize, like, she doesn't want her son dead or is it all, it's all probably just kind of personal preservation, right? I think, you know, uh, there's a, it's personal preservation, but that's why the character is still so interesting to watch because there's that area of doubt where if she, if he was dead she'd be crying my only son yeah. and now he's alive and she's crying my only son so she would get like to express her emotions either way and i honestly don't think she'd be feeling worse if he was dead uh kind of but but still she it's like a shock to see it on tv and actually happening but yeah it's I mean, the thing with with Meadow kind of shows you that she's more about, okay, Tony's going to be on his guard now, so he's not going to be as easy to take out, so maybe the winning side is not with Junior. I think that's going on in her head, because as you said, she's shown already that she's more shrewd than she appears to be. Yeah, and I think that's interesting what you bring up, because it is... I think we're seeing how things would play out either way. Like, even if Tony did get shot, his crew... Like, everyone immediately knows, like, there's no smoke and mirrors here. Like, Mikey thinks it's a genius plan. Hire a couple black guys to do it. No one yeah. will know. <laughs> no one will be none the wiser. Uh, Mikey. But they immediately, it's not like a, they take a second. I mean, Christopher does kind of put things together, but they were already thinking something was up. Uh, so, and, and they already immediately think of Junior. So, it is interesting that, like, kind of no matter what, it would have gone that way. Maybe if Tony was out of the picture, though, and Junior had more power, there probably wouldn't be a lot to do. Uh, but it is interesting that, yeah, we're kind of seeing it. It, it kind of could go this same way no matter what the outcome, whether Tony lives or, uh, or dies there. Oh, my God, Jim. I just realized the season two finale... Tony has been dead ever since this episode. <laughs> oh my God, you're right. It would have played out exactly the same and it's all unreliable narrator stuff going on. So I think that might be it. I, uh, I got my predictions down. I'm writing it down so no one can say I didn't think of it here. And uh, that's definitely what's going to happen. Yeah, I think you're onto something. I don't want to say yes or no here, but I might just say maybe you're sniffing up the right tree or barking up mm. the right tree. I don't know. I'm doing both. Now, um, uh, well, it is yeah. interesting going back to Livia though. It seems that Melfi is kind of on the right track already yeah. as far as things are concerned. Because Tony even... Not, or or is it just that Tony already knows, but he doesn't want to? It's the same where he was at with Big Pussy. Because she doesn't necessarily say anything. She kind of gives him a look when they have their secret meeting when he mentions their mom. He's like, don't even go there with the mother thing. You should have seen her. She's so distraught. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting because she gets the added insight of she understands more what's going on in his brain than he does. I mean, it's it's a very obvious vision he has of being sort of suckled by or suckling upon this woman in Italy, a place where he would feel safe. And she's obviously a weird mother figure um, and she brings this to light. Um, but still, it doesn't... You're right, she does 
say like mm, kind of hint that maybe your mother talks a lot about killing children huh yeah and that right. stuff that. which i guess i don't know i don't think she would make the mental leap of like yeah of course her, uh, his mother is somehow involved in this but on the other hand maybe there's just a 10 percent of that and a 90 percent of you have mother issues tony i'm trying to help you here yeah now and at this point besides just the reasoning that this is a show and it's about a mob guy that goes to see a therapist uh with melfi still sticking around and still like agreeing to meet in kind of this neutral location by the cover of night is it that she has more of a, an affection for Tony? Is it that she's invested because they put this time in? Is it just the fact that she's a doctor? Or is it like the intrigue of this kind of larger-than-life adventure in kind of a normal therapist, dare I say, like boring life? <laughs> well, I think you've talked about how the scenes with Melfi's family didn't really work for you. They were kind of a distraction and kind of irrelevant. And I do agree to some degree with that. But I think that's also the point is to put that in to see how she's defending Tony to her family. Um, and sort of even though she herself would have criticized him for these things, um, she's trying to be an impartial person. But that's actually making her more invested. And she's talking to i mean yeah you're you're right it doesn't make perfect sense that she and her ex and son can only talk about tony in their therapy and then the therapist is bragging about his mob connections and everything so it's kind of on the nose but that i think that's the point to show how she's getting more and more invested because if we only saw her in you know in in the therapy room it would be kind of weird that she was meeting up in his car or her car yeah, you know what? I think you, I think that does nail it. And it does put those scenes in a much better light now, like in hindsight with this, uh, like in this context, uh, where, I mean, I guess it even adds that personal uh, motivation of like proving them wrong in a weird way, yeah. even though this all these events are proving them right. But to her, like the fact that she can stick by and help him is just a way to prove that she's right. Uh, yes. so yeah, I think that's, I think that puts it in a much more interesting light and it makes way more sense now because yeah, no, like even you could see Melfi, if Melfi was on the outside with another doctor, she'd be telling them not to do this and not to yeah. treat this patient. But it's the same of how she can read Tony's life or just the same, you know, reasoning behind therapy in general, where it's a lot easier for someone else to be like, no, you idiot. Uh, it's it's yeah. right in front of your stupid face, but you don't want to see it. I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. And that's honestly not just with therapy. That's just with life in general. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's easier to point out other people's <laughs> mistakes. Um, but yeah, also, I mean, Lorraine Rocco, is, is, I think that's her name. I don't know if that's uh, the pronunciation. Yes. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. Yep. That's, I mean, she is great in this role like we've you know talked a lot about how great tony is obviously james gandolfini um but like she gets to i mean she she has those scenes that aren't necessarily as great with, with her own therapist and all that stuff but 
but at the end on the phone, she gets, you can hear her voice get emotional because this is a breakthrough for Tony and this stuff. I mean, she wants him to flush the lithium, so it's not necessarily, you know, a positive <laughs> breakthrough as such because she did a bad thing with the lithium uh, and the Prozac. But um, I just mean that you and I and anyone who invests a lot of time into a project is going to get more invested as time goes by. And we know in the first few episodes, uh, she could have like cut ties or gone to the cops if he said something that was too bad. Um, but now she's, he, he's yelled at her so many times and then come back and he said he was in love with her and then worked past that and all these weird things that he's gone through. And she smiles a lot more at his jokes and things, which seems natural at this point. It did feel forced earlier, but now it seems natural. Um, and she wants him to get better. Like, I think she's a good, uh, a good psychiatrist because she actually wants him to get better. She's not doing it just to poke around in people's brains and go, yeah, I know what's happening. You don't. So I think that's also why she would meet up in the car and ask him to come in, even though it's dangerous for, I mean, it's dangerous for him, but if you think about it, it's also clearly dangerous for her too, if someone's trying to kill this guy and, oh, he just happens to go to the same place every week, you know, at the same time. Yes, yeah, and I was going to say the same thing that you brought up, like, it felt more natural when she was kind of a little bit more smiley and reactive to, like, more of like a friend-type re uh, relationship. And I mean, because yeah. even like, I guess in general, even just meeting outside the office is it seems like it'd be a weird no-no as far as like you keep this as a professional, you know, yeah. doctor-patient relationship. But now it's just a little bit more informal. I mean, I guess due to the circumstances. Uh, yeah. But you're yeah, it it felt it felt more natural. Didn't feel as out of character as maybe some of the times that's happened earlier. And it does feel like more of a budding relationship. But yes, but still in line with, it feels like she is truly trying to help him, uh, and and maybe it is more of even if she does know that's not fully possible, it's kind of like well I can't not try to help someone. That's what what I do. It's why it's why I do what I do. Yes, and that's also I think why we don't need to see the scene where she decides to meet in the car because for me it adds up in the same way that she would say, well, if someone needed help and they were in prison, I would go to the prison and I would do my craft where I could and he, he can't come to the office, but if I let him loose now, he's only going to get worse and whatnot. So even though I think you're right, I mean, it's not kosher completely to meet up in... Um, meet up in your therapist's car, especially after he tells you uh, that he loves you and all that stuff. But uh, but it makes perfect sense still in the situation. Although, I mean, it is it has to be said, what an interesting, weird medical building this is where, like, because, I mean, we've seen it before when he uh, almost ran into Silvio and there's, like, a dentist in there. And now we see that you can, like, cut through a donut shop through a back alley and come in through a back door as well. And plus, yeah. just the inside of her office just looks like it wouldn't be in a place like that. So much intrigue around this therapist office. I also think, um, yeah, Carmilla does drive her uh, him to, to the car meeting, which I think is very interesting as well. And she doesn't need to say anything in that scene, but her presence is sort of a weight to what's happening. I mean, obviously he wouldn't get Silvio to do it or whatever because he doesn't know about this shit. He does still, Tony still doesn't want people to know about this, but still considering that she was in his mind threatening to cut his dick off, 
Um, and now she's driving him there. The woman that she's been jealous of at one point earlier in the season, just her presence without a word spoken shows what's going on in that arc and in that character. Well, and especially because even in this episode earlier, when she's talking about Tony, where he's at, she specifically says, what does your lady therapist have to say about this? It's such a fun, like way to show that she's still not okay with what's going on. Uh, And like, I mean, it's a great, it's a great scene either way, because it just shows that it's like how hard it is to kind of get in the mindset of someone who's depressed and they just can't get out of bed. Uh, but it's just a great way to show that she still has that bitterness. And you're right. It's just the way she just has to give like a glance, uh, just like a sideways glance at Melfi. And it's kind of, I, I guess the first kind of face to face they've had. Uh, and it also adds a weird little layer too, because when Tony, gets out of the car like he touches Melfi's face at first mm-hmm. in kind of like a weird tender moment. Yeah. Uh, and then Carmela's there. So, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of... It's it's doing the old, like, show don't say uh, for filmmaking and kind of telling uh, the audience a lot and kind of layering what's happening here. Yeah, and that cheek touch, by the way, I kind of read as... Okay, toots, I'm going off to the war. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah. we're not. I'm not going to see you for a while. It's not like, okay, see you next week, cheek touch. Yeah, it's like, uh, no, okay, take care until I see you next time, which might be never because someone might literally kill me. Yeah, yeah. So um, I mean, I guess that's kind of. I guess it's cool. We didn't have to go like beat by beat, but I feel like we did. We just jumped yeah. around a bit. I know it's almost like we're pros or something. I don't almost. know how did we cover it all so quickly and efficiently. Um, I did want to like, I it's not quite a prediction, but talk about what I feel like is going to happen or going on in the season. Mm-hmm. Where if you think about the first episode, it was all about the ducks, and the ducks were they were a metaphor for him being afraid of his family crumbling. And I love the first. Uh, the last shot of the first episode where we go over to the empty pool after the family goes inside. Um, It's sort of showing the representation and the sort of sense of dread and doom of the family is going to fall apart. So, I mean, there's no way that it ends with hugs and kisses between between Tony and and Junior at this point. I don't know if he's going to die next episode, but I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if if Tony had to do something like that. I would even kind of consider, uh, because he's set up as the boss, maybe you make him go to jail. That could be a potential solution. Uh, but I, I, I also, he did take an oath, even though it's like kids in a treehouse. That also doesn't seem right, according to their code, to use like the cops or whatever against him. Not that he would necessarily like be a witness, but just letting the chips fall as they may with the whole indictment and things to get Junior out of the game, which would be probably more interesting than him getting shot because um, because he's still around as sort of a potential player in the future, or at least someone you visit in jail and have interesting conversations with. Um, and I'm sort of looking away from the screen as I'm saying this because I don't want to see your facial expression. Yeah, I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to keep stuff. my poker face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's kind of how I feel. There's no way, like, Tony's not going to kill Livia next episode. Um, he probably won't even find out that she was involved in this because she's got her great dementia scam going on. That could be a potential thing towards uh, season two, I think, to to develop. But this whole thing with Junior is how the season started. It was like the first conflict. Junior wants to kill someone in this restaurant. 
There's no way it doesn't come to even more of a head. They've promised it with the last line of this episode and with everything going on in it. And Junior doesn't have the dementia defense. So, uh, you know, they even know what car he drove away with the guy. And there's some way they can find him and put corkscrews to him and figure something out. So um, that's what I think. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we're going to find out. We're going to see where those yeah. chips may fall. And I going back to Junior real quick, I like that. I mean, I guess this is my read of it, and maybe I'm just throwing it in, but I like to think of it that Junior, he's annoyed at Livia for what she's doing, but he's also, like, bummed he didn't come up with the idea first. <laughs> <laughs> he, no, he couldn't because he still wants to be the mob boss, Very so true, he can't. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, kind of, like... He knows immediately what's going on there, and we know kind of immediately what's going on, and it's such a Livia thing to do because she's always leaning on, oh, I'm just a weak old woman. It's just the next level of that. Great, great stuff. This show makes me love my mother, so that's good. <laughs> she never did any of this shit, so any of the murder stuff anyway. So, yeah, so that's, that's very good. Sopranos uh, makes I guess you that call does your, cover it. Makes you call your mom. Well, I yeah. appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah you that... never call okay i gotta go i gotta go <laughs> i gotta kill a guy um so yes. yeah so... next week season finale and but i mean there's no skipping a beat because then it's just the week after that season two and then the 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 wheels keep on turning well i we did talk at one point about seeing some sort of mob movie or things like that in between to kind of set some like give us a bit more context and background to this i do and I, uh, sorry to cut you off i i do yeah. want to want i actually i was going to talk to you off air but i yeah i think <laughs> we should talk about it on the show too uh i do think we should watch goodfellas after the finale yeah maybe we do an episode just on goodfellas who knows we will figure it out by the time uh we do the finale and let you know uh until then you can of course subscribe and leave a review on the cut to black podcast feed which we very much appreciate all the reviews coming in uh thank you very much uh there's also showswhatyouknow.com and youtube.com slash shows what you know that's where we stream live on uh sundays this is sunday sopranos uh for you here and uh you can also leave reviews on the shows what you know podcast feed and tell us a recommended show for us to look into uh, I did have, there was a new review on that feed, um, which did, which was from Justin Legends, the best of the best. Who else are you going to listen to talk about your favorite shows? Who else are you going to go to? This might be like Ghostbusters. Who else are you going to go to <laughs> for expert analysis and the top ships of, on your favorite shows? Who else are you going to listen to talk about The Sopranos on Sundays? No one besides shows what you know. That's who. And also you guys should watch Zoe 101 Season 1 at least. A hilarious joke at the end. <laughs> oh, I no. will interpret it as such. <laughs> so we don't have to do that. But thank you very much. And uh, you can also tell us a show to view that isn't that one, please. <laughs> yes, and you can also find more from Jacob over at awesomepedia.org. All kinds of good stuff over there. Uh, tons of content to consume. And you can find more from me at jimandthem.com. Again, content consumption at an overload. 
<laughs> Content plenty coming your way into your ears. Um, thank you, everyone who has found the show through Cut to Black. We know there's a few of you, and we do talk about a lot of other shows that will come up here soon. We will go week to week on Handmaid's Tale and Westworld. Uh, so please check showswhatyouknow.com for that. But until then, that's a bit later this month. Until then, Jim, there's just one thing I can say. What's that? Cut to Black. <laughs>